Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Guys, we're gonna, uh, we are uh, in part three of our sermon series, uh, of our, of our uh, yeah, our sermon series uh, entitled Prison Prayers of the Apostle Paul. And so uh, we are uh, in part three, and the title of the message is Progressing in Love. We're gonna be talking about progressing in love according to Paul and the prayer that he shared. Um, uh, in uh, part one of this series, we, we went through uh, how Paul ended up in prison in the first place, and we identified which imprisonment this was, because he was in prison at least three times of what we know, and uh, this was his second imprisonment, the first one in Rome, and while he was in prison, he wrote four letters, and that was Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, in that order in the Bible, uh, um, at least, and so uh, we're going to be in Philippians today. Uh, uh, um, in part two, we were in Ephesians, and we were and we read the second prayer that Paul uh, that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, and it's a very um, uh, very powerful prayer. So um, you can go and read that yourself in Ephesians chapter three. But uh, as I said, we're in um, we're in Philippians, and I just want to give just a very brief uh, background of of. Of, of Philippi. I just feel like it just helps whenever we dive in that you kind of give a little, it, it gives us just a little bit of context. You know what I mean? Um, I grew up, you know, as, you know, being in church and just like, there were so many gaps I had whenever I was listening to the pastor preach. And so like, uh, whenever I was younger, so I felt like I just didn't know anything. And so I just know that it helped, it helped me. It, I wish that they would have done it for me, so I enjoyed doing that just in case. So, um, but with that said, uh, just a few things to know about Philippi. Um, it was a city, it was a Roman settlement city in, in, in Macedonia, and, it was, and there were four main people groups that were there in Philippi. You had retired soldiers or active soldiers, mainly retired, and uh, they, were, uh, they were given a settlement um, from, uh, from the emperor at that time, and, and it, 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 it was to... It was to uh, to make sure that it kept allegiance to the uh, uh, to the Empire of Rome, and so uh, he would give uh, settlements to the soldiers there, and that's where they would retire. And so you had um, you had retired soldiers, and then you had uh, a Rome, Roman uh, citizens, people who were actual citizens of Rome, and this could be purchased, but it also could be given in certain um, certain situations. And so uh, there. Uh, the city of Philippi had also been given a special status by the emperor himself. And so that city was a very big deal in that part of the world because it was an official um, uh, Roman, um, Roman city. And so the people there who were Roman citizens, it was a big deal for them. And they carried it around because the third people group were people who were there, they were civilians, but they were not Roman citizens. And you can tell that they were treated just a little bit differently. If you had Roman status, Roman citizenship, there was a status that you held that other people didn't. And they made sure that everybody else who didn't have that status knew it. And then fourthly, you had slaves. And slaves there were a little bit different than the slaves that we know in American society, but nonetheless, they were still slaves. And, uh, and so you had those four main people People groups, and I mention that because the church in Philippi, I believe, was was predominantly also made up those four 
people groups. You had people who were, uh, who were soldiers, most likely. He was sharing the gospel. They shared the gospel there. Surely some of them who heard the gospel were people who were former soldiers. Also, you had uh, Roman citizens, those who weren't Roman citizens, and then also slaves. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, you can read about Paul in Philippi. And if you remember, the very first person that we see coming to Christ was a merchant lady named Lydia. And Lydia and her family, she believed in Christ and her family came to the Lord and she offered her home to Paul, which I believe is where they had church. And, uh, and then also, if you remember, Paul ended up in prison. And, uh, and then uh, after that, there was a soldier who almost took his own life because when he woke up from a slumber, all the jail cells were opened up. And he thought, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be put to death. And so, but Paul, uh, you know, he was released from prison through, a, you know, an angel. And they led that young man to the Lord. Well, I don't know if he was young, but uh, they led that, he, they led him to the Lord along with his family. There's a good chance that he was a part of that church, okay? And then also there was a little slave girl who was, who was, who was demonically possessed but was delivered through the ministry of Paul. And, if y'all were, and that's the reason why he ended up in prison in the first place. But there's a good chance that she was in that church. And so I just think of the different type of people groups that were there. That gives you an idea of the people that, that Paul is writing to, okay? And um, uh, when Paul uh, was in prison, the church in Philippi heard about it. And when they heard that he was in prison, they begin to collect an offering for Paul and they sent a man named Epaphroditus who was a leader in the church who, who also could have been a pastor or the pastor of that church and they sent him to Paul to give him, to offer to him the, the support that they raised for him. And I thought this was really interesting. Uh, even in, in, uh, in house arrest, which is what Paul was in, whenever you're in prison, you're not guaranteed things like food and water and things like that under their care. They actually leave that up to family and friends, which is why the the Philippian church raised that money and sent it to him because they realized he's gonna need this. I thought that was really interesting. And so, um, but you know, while he was in prison, they were not ashamed of him being in prison because they were very close friends with Paul. And you can see that when you read through Philippians, it seems very intimate. You know, when you read, you, you see a lot of relationship there. And, you know, Paul had a lot of love for the Philippians and vice versa. But there are five reasons that I, uh, that I'm a, that I identified why Paul wrote to Philippi and um, wrote to the Philippians. And, and, and there are more, you know, and there could be more, but five main reasons. Uh, the first is Paul wanted to write to express his love and appreciation for the church. It was clear that he loved them. And he wanted to thank them for what he has done, and he appreciated, you know, their love for him and also uh, for the people around them. He also wrote to encourage and challenge them to keep growing in their faith. And and we'll see this in the prayer that we're going to read today, the prayer that Paul shares with the Philippians, that he prays over that church. But he encourages them to and challenges them to continue growing in their faith. Thirdly, there were also some issues that were, that were reported through Epaphroditus, and Paul wanted to address some of these issues, and you'll find some of those later on in the, later, uh, later on in the letter. excuse me. And then um, he also wanted to inform them that Epaphroditus had become ill. 
He got sick, and he actually almost died, according to Paul. But he wanted to let them know, listen, he's doing okay. He's doing much better. And then finally, he wrote to thank them for their financial support. And so those are five main reasons why he's, why he's writing. And so um, in chapter one, uh, he, uh, he is sharing his, his, his thanks and his love. And then eventually he gets to the prayer that we find in verse nine. So um, we'll be in Philippians chapter one, reading verses nine, 10, and 11. And we're gonna read this and, and um, I'm gonna read it kind of slowly. This is a really good prayer. And uh, what I love about this book, it's, it's, it's really small and short, but man, it is packed with so much in it. So uh, let's go ahead and read this real quick. He says this um, in verse nine, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge in all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Wow, that is a lot saying in just those few sentences. I think that was one big long sentence that Paul, you know, that Paul wrote there. But man, that's a lot there. I'm gonna read it one more time. Verse nine, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ in glory and praise to God. We're gonna break this down and uh, we're gonna break it mainly in four sections, but uh, we're gonna start with, with the beginning in verse nine. And Paul, his prayer is, he says, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more, that your love would abound more and more. His prayer is that their love would continue to grow. And that, and, and the love that he's talking about, he's talking about their love for God, their love and, and their devotion to him. Matthew, uh, I'm gonna mention a few uh, verses that I'm just gonna reference. Uh, Jesus uh, in Matthew 22, verse 37 says that, he says to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And um, uh, Paul, he was encouraging them to, to grow in their love for God. Now, you would imagine that these were Christians who needed to grow in their love. You know, who maybe they were, or you know, maybe they were new in the faith or what, whatever it might be, but that's actually not really the case. When you read the book of Philippians, you learn that, that, that they had a lot of love. They loved God and it was clear. You know, they, they supported Paul financially uh, whenever he was on the mission field and they wanted to see people come to Christ. They believed in what he was doing and they also sent him support while he was in prison. You know, they, they clearly loved Jesus. Also, they endured persecution for their faith in Christ with joy. So they really had love. And, uh, and, but Paul's prayer was that even though they clearly loved God, even though they clearly loved Jesus, his prayer was that they would continue to grow, which encourages me because it, it, it reminds us that no longer, you know, no matter how long that we have been following Jesus, no matter how long we've been serving him, no matter what, we can, we can still continue to grow in our love. We can continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus. There's not a status that we reach. There's not an amount of years, but we can continue to abound in love for God. 
In fact, uh, when we talk about God's love, his love was shown. And it's very similar that when we love God, ultimately it should show. When we talk about um, uh, God, anytime we talk about love, he is always showing it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. 1 John 4, 10, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Romans 5, 8, God shows us his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we love Jesus, then it's gonna be shown in our actions and in our obedience. Jesus said that very same thing. If you love me, that you'll obey my commands. So Paul's prayer is that we would grow in our love. So how do we do that? How do we grow in our love for God? Paul, he lays it out here in two ways. He says, continuing in verse nine, he says that, he says that we, he, he prays that their love would abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. Our love grows with knowledge and discernment. I thought that was interesting. So let's talk about these two. He says that our love has to grow with knowledge and discernment. Number one, that, that knowledge that he's talking about, he's not talking about just a head knowledge. It's, a, it's, it's about us growing and knowing Jesus more and more. And of course, we know him through the word of God and our fellowship with him. And of course, if we want to grow in our love for Jesus, then we have to grow in our knowledge of him through the word of God. The more time that we spend in the word, the more that we come to know Jesus. But again, this is not just knowing about Jesus. It's not just growing in facts and knowledge about him. It's, it's, it's allowing the word of God to pull us in and allow him into our heart and to change us. Because at the end of the day, knowing about Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus. It's not the same. Knowing about Jesus is not the same thing as actually knowing him, really knowing him. And, and, and that's what Paul is referring to, that we would know Jesus, that we would continue to grow in him. And he's saying that, that, that your love is gonna grow as you know Jesus more and more and more. And you're gonna know him as you grow through the word of God. That's how we will grow in our love. But that was the first. The second that he says is that we also grow in our discernment. The word of God, as we grow in the word of God, it gives us the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong. This is important because the word commands us to love. He commands us to love God. The word of God commands us to love our neighbors. It commands us to love our enemies. Jesus commands us, or the word of God commands us as, as husbands to love our wives. And while the word commands us to love, the word of God also commands us not to love. There, love, you know, God is love, but as Pastor Ron has said many times, love is not God. And God commands us to love, but there's also things that we shouldn't love. First John chapter, uh, 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 you know, first John, he mentions, he tells us to not love, he tells us, do not love the world and the things that are in it. Do not love the world. So there are things that we should love and there are things that we shouldn't love. And the only way that we can know that is through discernment from the word of God. And we grow in our love by knowing what is right. There is a right way for us to love and there's a wrong way to love. There is a good way to love and there's a bad way to love. There is a godly love 
And there's also a worldly love. Discernment is so needed today. As a believer, we need discernment today because there are a lot of people who are lost and hurting and they need someone to show them the true love of Jesus. Nevertheless, we have to do it with God's love. And this love that he's talking about, it's a judging. To be, this, this discernment is being able to judge, not just accepting, not just accepting everything and celebrating everything. That's not love. That's not the word of God. People, people need to see the true love of Jesus. You know, what, my heart, when I think about the LBGTQ community, my heart breaks a lot. Because when you think about these people, these, you know, they are many times, uh, I would say, the outcasts in our society. And the truth is that uh, there is a place in the house of God for everyone, including them. There's a place in the house of God because there was always room at the cross, amen? But we should not and we don't have to change our beliefs change our doctrine or change the gospel in order to love them. There are churches who are literally changing the gospel to fit their culture, to fit society, to fit a, a, a love that they call that is all about acceptance and receiving, but that is not the love of God. We can still love them and we can love them to the cross. We can love them and we can invite them. They have a place. They, they have a place in the house of God where they can hear the truth. But we don't have to change and we should not change the gospel, change our doctrine, change the truth, which is that Jesus loves them. He loves them. He loves them for who they are right where they're at. But it's gonna call them right out of where they're at into him. You know, I, sometimes I think that we get a little stuck. You know, I know that I have gotten stuck sometimes on, 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 on that sin. But the fact is that there are many people who come into church who are living in sin and they're coming because they need Jesus. There is room, but we need discernment to love them for who they are, love them right where they're at, but love them without changing the gospel, without changing the truth, and allow them to see our love. Jesus says that they, that they will know you are my followers because of your love, because of the love that we have for God and we have for each other. That's the love that will change them, not changing ourselves to match them. Discernment. We need discernment. Amen. In verse 10, he says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Man, it's, this, this that he's talking about here, it's, he's, he says that we may approve what is excellent. What he's talking about is, is it's, there's one thing of, of, of having discernment to know what is right, but it's a totally different thing when we approve or we will do what is right. It's choosing what is godly. That discernment gives us the ability to know what's right and know what's wrong, but, but it's, it's, it's the ability to, to then take what we know what is right and then actually receiving it for our life and walking it out, living it out. This is what James is, is referring to, the whole book of James, being doers of the word and not hearers only. 
but let us walk out that truth as we are, as we, as the Holy Spirit reveals the truth in our life and we can know what's right and know what's wrong, that we can walk it out. And it says here that, that, that from it grows uh, um, our, uh, and, and so that we would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This is basically when we walk out the truth, when we are walking out the word of God in our life, we will see holiness grow. And holiness, again, is something that is needed for that, so that people can distinctly tell those who are followers of Jesus. People need to see that we are different. They will see our love, but they also have to see our life that matches, amen? But there's a pattern here in this prayer. I'm not sure if you caught it. He, he talks about his, the prayer that he prays is that their love would grow, and it grows through our knowledge in the word of God. And through the knowledge of Christ, we are able to discern what is right and wrong. And doing so allowing, allows us to choose to do what is right and to live out godliness in our life. And that also produces more holiness. And then that gets us to verse 11, the, the last verse that we're going to read here. He says that, that, and so that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I like how the NLT reads it. We're going we're gonna to read it um, in the New Living Translation. He says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. As we live for Jesus in a way that pleases him, it will show in our life. That fruit of righteousness is the fruit, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the outward expression of the inward reality that's on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit, he's going to produce fruits of righteousness and it's going to abound and it's going to see. It's going to notice. It's going to come out. The Holy Spirit will produce that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control in our life. He will produce it if we will stay out of the way. If we can just simply follow, he's going to produce it. All we have to do is harvest that fruit. And, 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 and walk in it. He's going to produce it as we walk according to the word of God, as we grow in love, as we grow in love, growing in our love for God, eventually it's gonna show in our life through the fruit of righteousness. You know, fruit, you know, fruit identifies a tree. We know a tree by its fruit. We know the nature of that tree. In the same way, our life, the fruit of our life, it reveals the nature of our heart, of who we are. We may be born again Christians, but the fruit of our life will reveal the state of our heart. And if, if we are continuing to walk according to the word of God, that fruit is going to come out, the fruit of righteousness. And that is something, as it says that it only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus says that we have to be connected to him. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to stay connected to Jesus, staying connected to the word of God. And that is gonna produce fruit in our life. 
I have noticed, you know, whenever I notice fear, I want to make sure that I'm staying close to Jesus so I can uproot it and allow the word of God, allow that fruit to grow in my life. And at the end of the day, that type of life, this, a life lived in this way brings glory to God. It glorifies him. It glorifies God in the eyes of unbelievers. They see that there is something that is in us. That is something that is worth wanting, a life that glorifies him. So just a few takeaways. Number one, God desires for your love to grow. God desires for our love to grow in him. No no matter how long we've been following Jesus, he still desires for our love to grow. And that happens through the word of God. It happens through, um, as we grow in the word, as we draw closer to the word of God, he changes us from the inside out and our love for him grows. And when our love for him grows, it spills out. It spills out. Point number two, takeaway number two, love others without compromising the truth. When the love of God grows in us, it's going to spill out. And it's an opportunity for us to love the people around us, even the ones that are so far from us, that, that, that is so different from us. But we can love them without compromising the truth. We can love them. They just need Jesus. They just need Jesus. They just need him. And he will do everything else. I believe that there, there, there easily could be a revival coming out of the LBGTQ community. They are so far from Jesus, but at the same time, they're right there. They are right there. All they need is an encounter with him. You know, I mean, I, I know there are so many churches who are changing their doctrine and changing their truth, changing the, changing the gospel in order to love them, but that's not necessary. We can just love them. Invite them to church. And that's what we can do with those people in our life. Show them Jesus. Open up and just love them. Let's show them Jesus and allow, and allow the discernment to point us to him. Allow it not to change our gospel, to change the truth. We can get near them and love them without it changing us. You know, you know what I mean? I, I don't think that, that that's going to affect us that much. But we can, we can have a tremendous impact on their life. So let us love others without compromising the truth. And number three, allow the Holy Spirit to produce righteousness in your life. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to produce righteousness, the fruit of righteousness in our life. That is a direct byproduct of our love for God growing. As our love for God grows, righteousness will grow in our life as well. But it's all hinging on the word of God. We draw close to the word of God, growing in our knowledge of him. The word of God is going to draw us into Jesus. And it's going it's to produce that fruit of righteousness in our life. We've got to allow the word of God to plant seed in our heart. I was talking with a young man who, uh, who, who's been, who recently started following Jesus. And, and you know, he had been reading the Bible as a book. And I encouraged him that, you know, that's good. But... There's, and when you're reading, there's going to be something that's going to jump out to you. Stop and pause at that moment and allow that word to plant that seed in your heart and begin to chew on it. Because that's when the word of God gets in our heart 
and it can begin to do its work in our life. Amen? So one more time, I, wanna, I just want to read this prayer one more time. Let's read it, and, uh, and let's receive it as it was intended. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 and 11. In fact, yeah, yeah, let's bring it on the screen. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge in all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes only through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Father, Lord, for the word of God. And Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that this truth, God, would rest in us, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would help our love for you to grow. Lord, I pray that our love would grow. Lord, I pray, God, that you would draw us closer to you, Lord, God, through the word of God. And I pray that you would give us discernment, Lord, on how we can love the world around us, Lord, God, without compromising the truth. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you would produce holiness and righteousness in our life, God. And I pray that our life would be a life worthy of the gospel. And, God, that you would be glorified. Lord, we thank you for it all, Lord. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen and amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.